ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. I have such a treat for you today. I cannot even stand it. So last week, a dear friend of mine took me to the most extraordinary, most profound, most moving performance of my life. The performance was called Women Warriors, The Voices of Change, and a multimedia collaboration between an enormous orchestra, I don't know, maybe 75 pieces, we'll, we'll hear the total, a documentary that played behind the orchestra that showed more than 800 years of women activists who are taking a stand and have taken a stand for the rights, civil rights of all with some live performances of singers, a rapper who escaped her parents selling her at 15 for marriage. I mean, it was extraordinary. And I was left feeling so inspired watching women who in 1300, 1400, 1600 were taking a stand for women to have rights. Watching women who were taking a stand just 20 years ago for children to not be sold into marriage, for peace in the Middle East, for Black Lives Matter, for all. And it left me so clear that every single one of us truly can make a difference. There is no such thing as it's just one, I'm just one person. Every single one of us has purpose. Every single one of us, our voice matters. And that was why as soon as I left that concert, I found the conductor on Instagram and I told her, I have to interview you for the Purpose Girl podcast. So let me introduce you to absolute heroine. Conductor Amy Anderson is known most recently as the founder and music director of Orchestra Modern NYC, a game-changing new ensemble in New York City that recently made their successful debut at Carnegie Hall on October 7th of 2017. She's had appearances on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, CBS Morning News, CBS Evening News, and press coverage in the Wall Street Journal. She has led music composers. She's collaborated with composers all over the world. Music critic Norman Librecht calls her America's most watched symphony orchestra conductor. And I love that she is a woman on purpose. Amy, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you so very much for having me. I'm, it's an honor. Mm. So Amy, I cried throughout the entire performance. The first moment I cried was the section on... So the way that this worked, everybody, was that there were different pieces related to a particular topic. So a topic around civil rights, a topic around voting rights, a topic around supporting LGBTQ rights. And the LGBTQ rights is where I broke down because my listeners know that I am bisexual and 
didn't feel comfortable sharing with anybody my first love who was a girl at 17. And I thought if, if only there had been more support and compassion <laughs> like there is now. And so that's where I broke down. And then I just didn't stop crying the whole time. So I, I want to thank you because it left me, my friend and I left literally speechless. She's a blogger. I'm a podcaster. So we're not usually speechless. <laughs> but we left speechless because we realized what a difference every woman can make. So I would love to hear from you the story of creating such a magnificent piece. Oh, well, it was a, you know, it's, it was a two-year project. I worked nonstop. And the genesis for the whole project is or was, and I almost I cry every single time I talk about it, hmm. was the civil rights and voting right, rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer, who, a daughter of a sharecropper in 1962 in Mississippi, went to register to vote and was arrested, thrown in jail, and brutally beaten. Oh. And they said, people like you don't vote in Mississippi. And two years later, in 1964, she, on live television, testified, and she named her accuser. She told exactly what happened. And it was a Me Too mo moment. It was a Black Lives Matter moment. It was a civil rights and human rights moment. And I became obsessed with her testimony and her life. I had read an article about her, and I went to YouTube, and I watched her. And I told her, literally, mm -hmm. and I apologize for crying. I told her... Fannie Lou, I will never forget you. I won't forget your voice. I won't forget your courage. I won't forget your strength. I promise you, I won't forget you. And from that moment on, I started creating Women Warriors, a voice of change. And I apologize for crying, but she, she led me in this whole project. Wow. And, uh, I, I had this kind of prophetic dream. I don't know what it's called, and I don't have this kind of stuff happen, but I had a dream several days after I discovered this, the, the deepness of her story. I had a dream that I was in this room, and there, and there was a big, huge stone wheel, a gigantic 2,000-pound stone wheel. And I said to somebody who was standing there, I said, what is this? And they, the voice said, it's the wheel of justice. Mm. And I said, the wheel of justice. I'd never heard of that before. And then I saw kind of in a holographic form, hundreds of women, hundreds and hundreds of women pushing the, the stone forward. And I said, the wheel of justice. And I woke up and I said, okay, so we stand on the shoulders of those who come before us. Yes. So on, upon whose shoulders did Fannie Lou Hamer stand? I have to know. Mm. And I started researching and researching, and it brought me all the way back to the 13th century. And I said, okay, there's like 800 years if I go to now, back to then, and I need to piece together the story, the narrative of these brave women and how they're interconnected. And of course, I came across hundreds. I mean, and then my job was, how do I select who to, to choose? And I read voraciously and I devoured history and I looked and I read and I considered and I thought and I, my job was to serve these women, 
Mm. And to not uh, put my own bias into it or to influence it incorrectly or to create some kind of a agenda, but to serve the, the truth of women who have been written out of history mm. or have been denied their rightful place in history books. Yes. My job was to try to put that all together. And it took the, this first chapter, because the program is divided into 12 chapters, the first chapter, which is called The Long Road, was indeed a long road. It took me, it took me a, a year. I mean, I was working on the rest of the project, but it took me about a year to put this together in a, in a way that is meaningful and historically correct. And, and I'm not a historian, and I'm not a researcher, but somehow when I made the promise to Fannie Lou Hamer, I couldn't break my promise and there was no turning back. Mm. I mean, and somebody could say, well, you made a promise to, you know, somebody who's dead. If you don't keep that promise, they'll never know. But I felt like his, I felt like she's still alive. Her spirit's alive. Yes. I feel that history is still alive that, you know, quantum physicists talk about the, the, uh, the, the different dimensions. We have a multiverse of at mm -hmm. least, 17 or more dimensions and that history is still in a holographic kind of multiverse. Yes. And I feel that history is living. And if we don't learn from it, we're condemned to repeat it and we are repeating it. And so I felt it wasn't silly to promise her because her voice is still there. Yes. And it's as relevant as ever. And so I put together the trajectory of the of the long road, the climb out of medieval Europe where they were burning women as witches and arresting them and they had witch catchers and and in Europe and they would catch women and Yeah. And, and you know, and I learned so much as I went along. I, I learned I, as I bumped into the nineteen nineteen when women were granted the right to vote, the constitutional right to vote, I bumped into the fact that African-American women were largely ignored by the women's suffragette movement. Mm -hmm. And I said, that is what my connection to Fannie Lou Hamer is, that I need to shine a light on the fact that African-American women had to fight for decades and are still fighting for equality. And so that took me on this incredible journey uh, through Ida B. Wells and, 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 and Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and, and Ida B. Wells who documented lynching in the South and the women who, 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 who were brave and, and the women who came before Fannie Lou Hamer. I, it, was, it was a profound kind of journey and I felt it was, it's a neglected part of our history um, that we don't want to talk about. And so I ended, I had sort of a point of destiny at the end of the long road chapter. My point of destiny was uh, uh, Maya Angelou speaking at the inauguration mm. in 1993 as the world listened. Mm. Right? Mm, yeah. And so uh, that, was a, that was a labor of love. served <laughs> <laughs> these women. First of all, it shows. It shows that it was a labor of love. It shows that this is... This this is a passion project and this is purpose. And I don't think it's silly at all to speak to her. I think it, we have to listen to the voice, the voice that with, within that tells us what our mission is and what needs to be done. And I'm hearing you so clearly know 
and so passionate that there is a huge part of history that has not been told and you made it your mission to tell it. Yeah. And it's so important. You know, as I watched the concert, I was blown away with how many stories of women I did not know. Yeah. And I think one of the things I was so impressed is you didn't talk about the usual suspects, right? So much love for Michelle Obama, so much love for Oprah. You really told stories that we, that we don't know. Yes, because I, I think as women, we don't know our own history. I mean, we, we grow up learning about men on ships with telescopes who go and they discover new lands and they have glorious battles and they build monuments. But history through the eyes of women and girls hasn't been told to us. We don't know. We don't know upon whose shoulders we stand. Right. And what gave us all the rights that we have now. Yes. And so, and and I thought that that's the educational component of this, which is so important. So important. I want every single child, adult to to see this because this needs this needs to be told. One of the things that I was continuously amazed by was how so many women fought for the rights of all, not just themselves, right? How straight women were fighting for LGBTQ rights and for the world to do something about the AIDS epidemic. How, you know, Caucasian women were standing up for the right, civil rights for their, their African-American brothers and sisters. I was constantly amazed by that. And I would just love to hear what did you notice? Did you specifically look for those stories that were fighting for the rights of people different than yourself, or you just came across that in all of your history search? Well, I, I tried to not, I mean, I tried to step away from my life, who mm-hmm. I am, a white woman in privileged America. And I tried to connect with really the lives of people out there that, mm-hmm. that, that, that are the unsung heroes right? That, that have meant so much in, in turning the wheel of justice forward. Mm, mm. I love the turning the wheel of justice. Yeah. And I had that on one of the, it's called the title card. And one of the things in the documentary, it says dedicated to the women, <laughs> turn the wheel of justice forward. Mm-hmm. It came to me in a dream and I said, well, that's got to be worth something. But then of course I created the documentary I'm not a documentary filmmaker. I've never done anything like this in my life. And I always tell me, tell everybody, you know, it's, it's Penny Lou Hamer. She, I, she came through me and she guided me. And so I started putting my, you know, public domain photographs and, and creative commons license free images together. And I started putting the photographs together and then I selecting women. And then I had some moving images and, uh, and I started hearing music. And I mean, I spent 10 and 12 hours a day editing this. I'm thinking, how how do I paste the photographs? What do I say underneath? Uh, how do I transition into this theme? What do I put on the screen? And I was editing, you know, a split second here and a split second there, and everything had to be justified. I had to to keep the viewer interested in the moment the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started hearing music as I put these images together and then, and then the project kind of developed into 12 different chapters and it was a natural progression after the first long road to go into the feminist uh, history in the, of the sixties and the seventies. Uh, and then to go into the AIDS crisis and it kind of, it, it kind of went into chapters naturally and, and I wow. and found footage and I found photographs, but again, I had to, I thought, you know, I, I've never done this before, but somehow I had a feeling that 
if as long as I connect with the emotion, there's nobody talking in the documentary. It's just pure emotion. You don't need to know the story. You just need to watch. And then I started hearing music and then I started saying, okay, this kind of music would be great for this. And this kind of music would be great for this. And I mean, astonishingly enough, I never had anyone look at the whole documentary. I never asked for advice. I never, uh, somebody said, well, did you ask, you know, for advice and did you get research to you know, help historically? And I said, no, and oh I said, my God. are you crazy? And I said, no, I, I actually, it's, it's probably incredibly risky, but I totally and completely trusted my intuition. And I said, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> this is not crazy at all. This is what I want every woman to hear. Two years. <laughs> okay. I would not give up. <laughs> oh, this is what I want every woman to hear, Amy. So one is I want everyone to see this piece as it gets out in the world. And I will talk about that. And I wanted to share you and your story because so many women listening to this have an idea or a dream right? Some either an invention or they want to write a blog or a book or they, there's something comes to them. And how often do we downplay that voice? We say, oh, that's silly. Oh, I can't do that. And what is so incredible about what I'm hearing, you know, or, or say, I don't have the skills for that. I don't know how to do a documentary. You didn't know how to do a documentary. You just did it and went ahead with it. And you just kept trusting your intuition. Now, when we talk about women being hanged as witches, a lot of it was because of a woman's intuition and Absolutely. doing things that, that you know, a lot of the powers that be didn't understand. How did that woman know? Well, she knew because of her intuition and then she was hanged as a witch. So this is incredible. So I didn't know, I figured you hired videographers for that documentary. Oh, I did it on my little computer. Are with, you kidding? With iMovie every single day for 18 months until I said, wow, I think I'm losing my vision. I got to get a bigger computer. And then my son said, mom, you, you not only need a bigger computer with like four terabytes, you need a screen. And then I set it up and it's like, oh, you mean I could have had a screen, like a small television? And I'm looking at this tiny little computer. No, I didn't ask for any help. And I didn't know who to ask. And somehow I couldn't translate what I saw in my mind, what I felt, I couldn't translate that into words to tell anyone what to do. Right. I, I just knew I, I, I had to cut out everyone and just focus on delivery. Yeah. And following your purpose, right? Which is, right. you know, standing on the shoulders, honoring the women who have come before us, telling their story and, and you really following and okay, I don't know iMovie, but I'll figure it out. Okay, I, you know, d this little screen, I'll figure it out and just continuously going. So something I've been really curious about is someone who has an idea out there, they may think, well, I don't know how to do it and I don't know how to have money to do it. And so how did you, how do you go about, how do you even go about getting funding for this? Because I, or maybe you didn't, because I imagine you had to pay the the orchestra and the, I'm just so curious because it was well, so incredible. All, all the composers worked for free. I obviously worked for free. Nobody, I, I contacted a bunch of composers and said, I have this project and we'll call it a passion project because I can't offer you anything except mm. your music's going to be performed on the stage at Lincoln mm. Center. Mm. And so I have a 501c3 called Music Resonates. Mm. It's a nonprofit organization that I started. And uh, we had an online GoFundMe campaign. 
and it go it went right into the 501c3 and i had i had i met people who said i've got to support this so we 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 accumulated uh a, you know a significant amount of money that was able to fund the orchestra mm. and to rent the hall and then we have ticket sales so it's like one of those break even things nobody made money off of it it was a nonprofit that was always my goal to do this because somehow it came to me, it was delivered to me, the message, you've got to do this. And so we were able to, to do that. Right, right. There's just so many lessons I want to highlight for all of us here, Amy. I mean, it's like, I call it putting a picture frame around it so that we remember right. this forever. When, when you get a message, okay, like Amy got here, it's coming to you specifically, right? And so if we don't follow that intuition, we don't follow that dream, that idea never gets done and it's meant to happen, right? Like this was given to Amy and she, she literally had to do this. You had to do this, Amy, because the world needs to hear the women's stories of right. change. And so it's just incredible how you, you, you listened to the call and you went ahead with it. And then you, you made a call to these composers and these are Many of them are Hollywood composers, right? So tell oh, us oh, about yeah. that. They all are, yes. Oh, they're all Hollywood composers. And you said, well, I'm not going to pay you anything, right? I'm not Steven Spielberg. That's right. <laughs> and what were those conversations like? Well, you know, I, I had met most of them um, back in 2016 when I was out in L.A. I was touring uh, for two years around the world to 65 cities on, an, on a live to screen, a live to picture concert tour. And I was in L.A. and I, I, I just wanted to meet women film composers. And this was maybe, you know, this is way before I knew what it was leading to. Yeah. And I went to a, a rehearsal. It was a it was a show called Women Who Score and it was done out in LA. It was an open air free concert and there were I think like twelve or thirteen composers on the concert. It was just one after another. There wasn't any particular kind of story or narrative, but it was astonishing that these women were having a concert and people showed up because they're very under recognized the women uh, composers, especially when they come to the concert stage. So it was a remarkable uh, event. And I met all of these women there. And I remember hearing, for instance, in the Love is Love chapter, that beautiful music by Star Parodi. I remember hearing that music on that concert and saying to myself, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm doing that music one day. Mm. And that's the music that I chose for that marriage equality chapter and uh, celebration of marriage equality. And so, uh, you know, I, I start. I, I had their contact information and I'd sort of seen them when I was out in L.A. for other things, doing master classes and with the Alliance for Women Film Composers, who they're all members of. Uh, I started sort of cultivating a professional relationship and and so when i emailed you know one at a time about this they were very enthusiastic and they said absolutely yes uh and wow. that's how it, how it how it started it's just another uh, another example to us that if you follow the purpose and you put yourself out there and you ask the questions i think so often we're afraid to ask because we're afraid of rejection, we're afraid of the no, we're afraid, right. you know, all of that. And I imagine you would have been okay if someone said no, and you would have just gone to the next. Actually, I had two people who said no. It was mostly because uh, they were very, very busy. Um, and they're incredibly talented. I wanted to use this particular song uh, for one of the pieces. And she said, oh, no, I can't let you use that song. It's, I've already used it. It has a different meaning. And, and I said, 
it's okay. That's fine. And she said, I'm very, very busy. Another one said, I'm really busy too. Uh, and I, I, and I know that was the truth. Um, they probably didn't understand the scope of the project because nobody did. I mean, none of the composers knew what the other one was doing. Like they mm. didn't see the other chapters. They didn't see the video. And, uh, it wasn't until the dress rehearsal that they sat there and they saw the whole project and they put it all together because no one had seen it except me basically in my mind. Right. Cause you hadn't even really put it all no, together. To I, hear. Was I was in <laughs> shock when we were done because it was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. It was like seeing the newborn baby's face for the first time. You know, you mm. can't imagine what it's going to look like because of the parents or whatever. But suddenly I was looking into the eyes of this, this, this creation. And I, I was stunned because I had never seen it really mm. until it got on stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was that feeling? You you said it was like seeing the baby. What did you experience in your body as you watched it? Well, it was, um, I didn't have enough bandwidth to really revel in that moment because it was such a very difficult kind of delivery getting on stage, the technical aspects of the concert. Um, you know, I, I had never done it. We, it's not like we had a dry run sort of performance out in Pennsylvania in a small little theater and we could say, okay, this didn't work. I had to be on top of everything because I wanted it to be as close to perfect as possible. So <laughs> it was a combination of disbelief and great joy and complete exhaustion. I mean, <laughs> I had worked so many months and got, you know, I was at my desk at six in the morning with my coffee and I'd work 14 hour days to try to get this dunks at a time, you know, frame. And so, uh, I mean, it was, it, it took me several days to really grasp what, what we had done. It's not what I had done, what right. we had done, what the composers done, what the team did, what I did with them and what, and, and always remembering the women in the past, mm. what we had done collectively as a sisterhood of women. We did this. Fannie Lou Hamer did this. They mm. all did this. We, mm. we all did this together. And it, I was in shock for three days. I bet you were. I, I bet you were, as was I. And I was just a witness to it, right? I was just in the, right. the audience. You know, I left that night while still in the seat. I did an Instagram video that you saw. Yes. Because I was so full of raw emotion and was so struck with the, the truth that every single one of us really is a voice of change, can be a voice of change. And that anytime any one of us thinks, oh, we're, I'm not, I'm just one person, there's not much I can do. This was such an example that yes, there is. And I was struck so many of the stories that you told weren't huge megaphone heroic acts. I mean, many of them were. And some of them were simply, as you're saying, showing up to vote, right? And there's nothing simple about it because they're, you know, all that happens, but really just showing up. And so what message would you like women who are listening to this to take from this? Well, we've been conditioned to think that we don't have a voice. Mm. I mean, we've, we all, we've always had a voice. I mean, we're born with a voice. Yeah. We're born with our intelligence. We're born with our visions. We're born with our intuition. But we're conditioned to think that somehow it doesn't matter. And then we think that maybe we've lost it. And then we have to rediscover it when, in fact, we've never lost it. Right? Mm -hmm. That they are, they are worthy. They are equal. They hold up half the sky. 
you know, I mean, to, to, to Sunita Alizade, who, who was the rapper on Daughters for Sale, who was put up for sale at the age of 10 and then at the age of 16, she somehow said, I am worthy of more than this. I will not become a child bride, which basically child bride is too kind of a term. It's really sex trafficking and sexual slavery. You're sold, right? <laughs> she somehow had the feeling in her, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm worth more. And she left her seven siblings and her parents somehow escaped uh, from Iran and came to the West and now is a college uh, matriculated student here studying. <laughs> we are all worthy. We are all equal. And it's rediscovering that. And it's mm. saying that out loud every day. And it's passing on the message. And the Chinese proverb is women hold up half the sky. If I mean, who was told that as a child? I, I wasn't told that. I didn't know that. When I first heard that quote, mm. I almost fell off my chair. Mm. And I said, it's so simple. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And yet we don't know that because we're given a parallel sort of narrative that takes us away from what we intrinsically are, which is powerful, strong, intelligent, change makers, paradigm shifters, activists. Women are the key to the future of this planet. We're the most underused natural resource on the planet, women and girls. And we can change the craziness of the world and make peace and stop wars and stop climate change. Yes. We have the ability and, you know, it's, I, I guess, I mean, I don't want to, to, to compliment myself, but I guess I proved to myself that one person can make a change because I'm making, I'm making a change because I didn't give up on this project. And Greta Thunberg, who you saw the climate change act of 16 yes. years old, she started an international revolution. One girl. One 16 year old girl. And I loved that you featured her and I saw her in the concert, right? Because you were, there was a whole piece dedicated to, to activism her. and to her. And, the and then voice. she was at the UN five minutes later. I mean, it was like so amazing, you know, just a few days later and one woman really can make a change. And I am so moved and, and just thank you. And I just want to clap and like get on. It is so true. We are the most untapped natural resource. And we think that we've forgotten our voice because we read, what we read about the world has much more to do with what men are doing in the world. Or we read the history, which is what men did, or we don't see all of the role models. And what I loved when you and the other composers were all on that stage and this all female composer, right? It was like, yes. One of whom was 15. One of, I mean, it was like incredible. So we really can each make a difference. And it's, it's, it's like listening. It sounds like it's listening to that inner voice that says, do this. Right. You have a voice. You can speak. Yeah. And, and when I discovered these women, so-called discovered, I mean, they've always been there. But when I learned about the women, these women of the past and the women who are out uh, in the world doing amazing things, it just, it just underscored what you're saying, that we can all make a change. Mm-hmm. We every voice, and we've been conditioned to think that well, we don't really, you know, our vote really doesn't matter, and you know, the politicians are in charge, and the leaders are in charge, and you know, people don't have people don't have a say in this. 
but as we see in Hong Kong with the protesters, they have a voice. They will not back down. Yes. Nothing has ever been changed without one person starting with a voice. Yes. And it's the Nothing. man Tiananmen Square who stood in front of the tank with his shopping bags and he stood there and he faced down those tanks. One man who said, I won't move. Mm. You run me down, but I won't move. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, we, we've been taught that we don't matter. Individuals don't matter. It's the whole and it's, it's the leaders who are calling the shots. And it's, it's an illusion. It's an absolute illusion. The emperor has no clothes. Mm. And when you look at it through those eyes, you say, oh my gosh, we have more power than we ever thought we had. Mm. Mm. Especially for women and girls. We have tremendous power. And it's just getting over that mindset that I don't, you know, I can't make a change. When you switch that on, you realize the sky's the limit. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that we have, we have more power in the top of our little pinky (laughs) than, than has really even been touched or explored. And a huge piece of it, there's our brain there is our heart, you know, a woman's heart. I mean, I saw so many stories. You told so many stories of heart, right? People like, like Greta taking a stand with her heart because she cares about the earth, Yeah. right? Yes. So women and our natural ability, our biological tendencies toward love and compassion and caring for all, that heart is what can make huge change. Our vision, our intuition, our ability to see things that aren't necessarily in front of us. That is absolutely a feminine gift. I'm not saying men don't have it too, but it is a feminine gift. And that can make huge change because if we can see it, like you saw this, you saw the entire performance before it was done. And so using your vision, using your intuition, if we trust ourselves. Yeah, I was almost afraid during this whole project when I was creating it to ask for advice because I didn't want anyone to discourage me. Mm. Huh. I didn't want anyone to say, you know, really, you're going to do what this? What are you doing? Orchestra? You know, I went down to a national conference in June to the League of American Orchestras in Nashville, and I thought I should go down there and, you know, I'm music director of an orchestra and I sort of need to make myself known. And I don't tend to like those types of things, but I went down there and handed out flyers and talked to a lot of people. And there was a bunch of, you know, male conductors in a group and I approached them and I was myself and I told them what my project and they stood there and one of the guys looked at me and said, well, good luck with that. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'm really glad I, you know, I didn't ask for advice Yes, because I could have gotten with one spell swoop really discouraged and start to question, what do I know? What do I know? Which is the most ridiculous question in the world. What don't I know? Yes. I know a lot and I can learn more, but what do I know? Who am I? Where did those questions originate? I don't know that, that, but women say all the time, well, who am I to do this? And what do I know? And maybe I can't do this. I don't think men say that. No, there are actually many, many research studies that even though women are just as competent in a variety of fields, they're less confident. So research studies have been done in medicine, in law, and you name it. And so these voices develop early through conditioning, maybe through seeing advertisements, you know, telling us that we have to look different, feel different, all of that. And who are you to do it? 
who are you to not do it? You, you've been given all of your gifts, all of your strengths, all of your talents, and the ability to learn what you yeah. don't know. And so I just said, I'm not going to show this to anyone because I don't want to get stabbed in the heart. I don't want someone to discourage me and roll their eyes and say, oh, well, you've never made a documentary. Good luck with that. I just said, nope. I bet my life on this. I am trusting this implicitly. I'm trusting just every, every cell in my body. I trusted every single cell in my body. And I said, this is going to work. It's going to work. And, and it did. And, and I, it did. And I, you know, it was... I've learned so much from this. Well, you are teaching us so much right now. One of the things I see all the time in my own life and prior to starting doing this work and then in my clients' lives is that when we share with somebody, so often they will poke holes in it and they think maybe they're helping or they're being rude either way. And we've got to keep our baby. Like you said, this was like seeing a baby the first time it was born, right? Like we've got to keep our baby safe. Right. And protected and trust ourselves implicitly and allow that feeling, that passion to take us and to know that we are so capable. And that is what I walked away from. I walked away. What else can I do? What else? Like how, what is my voice? And that was why I immediately contacted you and said, I've, I've got to tell your story because we can all learn from your story and from these women's stories that you told. You know, I was working 12 hour days and 14 hour days and working, you know, 16 and then 18 months and then 19 months. And at a certain point I was like, it's driving me crazy. It's taking over my life and I, and I'm teaching and I have, you know, a son and I, and I, and I said to myself one day, I don't know if I can do this. This is crazy. And then it's like somehow this message or whatever came to me and said, it's not, it's not your choice to decide if you can do this or not. Mm. And I said, okay, you know, whatever, then maybe that came from Fannie Lou Hamer. All right, let's get back to work. <laughs> yes. Fannie Lou, I am so in love with you for keeping Amy going. I mean, and I remember thinking, yeah, this is bigger than me. This is <laughs> way, way, way bigger than whether yeah. or not I want to do this. So, you know, right, right. Working. We whine. We think I don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. and get working at 6 a.m. You know, because so many women out there are probably like, well, how do I do it? I have a child. I have this. I got, you know, and, and here you are, Amy, with all of those responsibilities, you still have to pay your bill. You know, this was not a moneymaker for you. So you still no. have to pay your bills. You still have to, do, right, still take care of your family. And would you... Would you do it any differently? Would do you regret it one bit? Oh, never. Right. Never, right. ever, ever, ever. It's like incomprehensible for me to to think that I would have quit that or I have any regrets. No, it was right. It was I was I was fulfilling my one of my soul's purposes. Yes. In this yes. project somehow to give voice to women and girls around the world because we're at a tipping point. And I was it just, you know, I was a vessel for this. Well, thank goodness you were, and thank goodness you listened. And I can imagine if you did quit, how you would feel. And I am so grateful that you didn't, because this will stick with me forever. <laughs> so, Amy, people listening are probably like, I want to see this performance. <laughs> what are the plans? Well, we are uh, making a documentary about this project, behind the scenes uh, composers we were interviewed uh, before the concert and after the concert and we have a lot of wonderful photographs and 
we're going to put this all together into kind of a documentary format that can be sent uh, to orchestras to sort of pitch them and, and maybe to an agent or touring agent. And there, there's all kinds of possibilities. So we have to kind of work on this post-production phase uh, for a few months to put this together. And then, then it's getting it out to different orchestras and pitching it with the reviews. And, and um, we had some interviews outside. Uh, there were people giving interviews and talking to, to, people who went to the concert and so we got to put that all together kind of in a in a package so to speak and um kind of launch that out into the world and i i just know that it's it's going to go on tour in in some way it's going to you know maybe maybe la is the first stop because that's where all the composers are mm. and i've conducted out there before so maybe that's the first stop at start and i think it's just a matter of populating the kind of music world with this type of enthusiasm and information um because there's nothing been done, no concert has been done like this anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world. There's, not, there's, there's nothing that compares to it in terms of social justice connecting to cultural relevancy with an orchestra. I mean, it's, so it's just getting it out there, right? It's mm. getting the message out. And mm. it, will, it will remain a nonprofit uh, venture and I'm not going to make money off it because it's not, it, it's, it, you can't connect it to money. It has to do with deep, deep human values. Yeah. And so I'll never make money. It will just be, hopefully it will be picked up by an orchestra and I'll show up and we have some of the soloists fly in and we do, we do it to, to, to be the change you want to see in the world. That right there, everyone, being the change that we want to see in the world. And this is what blew me away with each and every chapter. And just seeing how a 16-year-old can make a difference. How a 30-year-old woman, how a 50-year-old woman, how a woman of any age can make a difference for everyone benefiting in the world and for the planet and for the earth. And I am so grateful to you, Amy. I am so grateful. We all matter. Yes. We all matter. We all matter. Thank you. We all have purpose. Absolutely. have purpose. So Amy, there's something I like to do with all my guests. It's called a purpose power play round. Okay. And it's just for fun. Okay. So I'm just curious, what did you want to be as a little girl? A musician. Oh. And look at you now. Did you think you would become a conductor? I started out as a composer and I wanted to be a composer, but then somewhere around the age of 16, I said, I'd like to be a conductor. Mm. I just, you know, that happened. That switch happened. And I just never let go. <laughs> mm. I have to say, I haven't been to a ton of orchestra concerts and I don't remember ever seeing a female conductor until you. Well, there are some of us out there, but there are not enough. Mm. To see you leading was an absolute, absolute joy. Thank you. So if someone wanted to hear a piece of music that inspired you, what piece would you recommend? I, I actually can't answer that because my, suddenly my mind is flooded with a million things. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has you know, is touched in a different way by a different style or a different singer or I, I couldn't recommend anything other than to say, listen to the music that inspires you. Mm. Right. That's, that's the greater thing. Mm. Beautiful. So 
So beautiful. Well, Amy, I thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us, sharing the stories, sharing your story of creating this, being a woman on purpose. I have learned so much and I am so grateful. And me and my community, we are here to share the message. Thank you. So, so as it goes on tour, much. you please just let me know. Thank you all. so much. Mm-hmm. And where can people find out more about Women Warriors and keep their eye on it? Yes, they can go to womenwarriorsthevoicesofchange.com. We have a website. We're constantly updating things now that we had the concert. That will be kind of the go-to place to find uh, information when the tour is available. There are podcasts, 12 different podcasts with crossover media about the with the composer speaking. There's excerpts mm-hmm. for every chapter. There'll be red carpet photos. There's going to be dress rehearsal and concert photos. Mm-hmm. Um, There'll be a, a link to the 501c3 if they want to make a donation. Even $10 is greatly appreciated, or even $5. Uh, we're going to eventually have uh, Women Warriors, the Voice of Change, the logo, which is trademarked. We're going to have um, some T-shirts, some environmentally friendly T-shirts, and some chef aprons, and maybe baseball caps or, or coffee mugs. And that will, as they purchase them, that will all be a donation to the 501c3 to keep the project going because it does take money to to run everything yeah and uh so that will be kind of the go-to place where they can keep uh uh up on you know what's new with the project absolutely fantastic and i i really recommend this to everybody i i made a donation sitting in the seat when i saw it come up at intermission and uh we'll do so again and the stories everyone i mean the stories whether they are young girls teenagers women of every age that you will see in this performance who are making a difference, whether it is to end child slavery, whether it is to ensure marriage equality, ensure the health of our mother earth, ensuring that women are treated equally and well in every country. There was a piece about wives who wanted a divorce in certain nations and that they were killed for it. This is all of us taking a stand together and and doing buying a mug when they're available or the ten dollar donation is is one way that you can use your voice to make a difference in the lives of of everyone around the world because us women will change the world. So with that, thank you, thank you, thank you to Amy, thank you to every single being who participated in the creation of Women Warriors, the Voices of Change. Thank you to all of you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. I hope that you loved it and are as inspired as I am. If you love this episode and we hope that you did, please go on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Take 60 seconds, leave your five-star rating. Your ratings are what are allowing women all over the world to find the Purpose Girl podcast. That's what's allowing us to have women in Hong Kong, Mexico, Macau, you name it, come together as community, as sisterhood to change this world one woman at a time. Of course, find me over on Instagram where I do stories and share different tools and teaching. Instagram at Karen Rockhind, Facebook at Coach Karen Rockhind. And if you have not joined our free Facebook group, please go on and do so because every day my team and I are posting different tools, Facebook lives for you. And as always, most important thing you can do is to share this episode with your friends, with every woman that you know because we are changing the world one woman at a time. With that, may you live purposefully, may you love yourself, and may you love life. Bye for now.